Today's episode is sponsored by Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network, Finet, member SIPC. Finet is focused on helping independent advisors support their clients and reach their goals with unique, ever-evolving solutions and resources from one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Learn how you can get more with Finet at wfa.com slash independent. That's wfa.com slash independent. Welcome to the WellStack Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the Director of WellStack Content and Solutions. In this episode, I'm joined by Martin Tarley, Nebo Product Lead at Nebo by GMO. And for those that don't know, Nebo stands for Needs-Based Optimization, and we'll dive into that in a little bit. But today's topic, how he's on a mission with Nebo to bridge the gap between asset management and financial planning. Martin, thrilled to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Shannon. Shannon, I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. So before we get into our first segment, I always like to say I like to start with the hardest questions first. So to really set the stage for our conversation, could you just share a little bit about your background? You know, what makes you, well, you and what ultimately, you know, led to the development of Nebo? Yeah, so I I have a varied background. When I got into finance, I actually started out as a fundamental equity analyst. But I had a quantitative background from my time in theoretical physics, and so I wanted to sort of combine the fundamental and the quantitative, and that's actually how I ended up working here at GMO. Prior to actually getting into finance, I went from sort of the sublime to the ridiculous. I'd been in physics. I started a golf company, but you can sort of see in the work I did with the golf company, we got two patents and there are sort of shades or echoes of what we're doing in Nebo that were sort of manifesting what I was doing then. So there's a very sort of entrepreneurial, adventurous side to what I like to be engaged in. Um, But this particular project actually started back in 2013. So we've been doing this for about 10 years now. I was working in the quantitative equity group Um, But I'd been doing more and more asset allocation work, so I'd gotten to know the asset allocation team quite well. And one day, Ben Inker, the head of asset allocation at that time, he's now the co-head of asset allocation, he came down to my office and he said, you know, I just got off a call with one of our large corporate clients, and they're thinking more about getting into the defined contribution space and they want to know if we have any ideas about glide paths. Maybe you want to start looking into glide paths. So I started looking into glide paths and what struck me was that people weren't really explaining how they were building them. And so, you know, the, the shapes that you saw were not that much different from the old the old broker adage of 110 minus your age. So we weren't really satisfied with that. And one day Ben and I were, we were just talking about this problem. And so we said, well, why don't we go back to first principles? This is sort of the physicist coming out me. And we said, well, what is, what is the real problem here? The real problem is that the risk for the asset owners that they don't have the money they need when they need it well, why don't we build glide paths to minimize that risk? And that's really how the whole project got started. We wrote an early white paper that we put out in 2014. Um, We knew we'd struck a nerve because we got a lot of attention on that paper. It was written up in the Wall Street Journal. 
Um, it was one of the most downloaded papers on advisor perspectives that year. Well, that's a very big deal. And because it, it, like you said, it took almost a decade to develop Nebo. And so I'm curious what that aha moment was where you decided that it was ready to make its market debut, because I'm really fascinated about the experience of what it was like to basically be part of an an investment management firm, but to build out a tech platform in-house. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question. And there's a lot of layers to it. So, you know, I said, we started in 2013. We didn't really um, start orienting ourselves towards the advisory space until about 2019. So for about five or six years, was spent really fleshing out the framework because we really had to think from the ground up. That early white paper didn't have a lot of the things that we have now, but we also, being in it at an institutional asset management firm, we really had an institutional mindset. So we were going out and talking to institutions about how to apply these ideas. And the ideas strongly resonated with people, but it wasn't clear how to operationalize it. It wasn't until about 2019 that we realized that the problem was that institutional asset managers sell portfolios and institutions purchase portfolios. But this was an idea that is in some sense bigger than a portfolio. What we realized in 2019, number one, was that the advisory space was very well suited to application of these ideas. But if we were gonna sell this into the advisory space, we couldn't sell a portfolio. We needed to build a platform. And there, there's, so there was a challenge being at an, at an asset management firm is that you tend to sell portfolios. And so we needed buy-in from the, the, the management at the asset management firm. We're not gonna build portfolios, we're gonna build a platform. And so that was a big leap for them but to their credit, they said, okay, go ahead. The One of the challenges that I would say asset management firms face when they're trying to develop and commercialize something that is not a portfolio, is they're used to getting paid. Their revenue comes from asset management fees. And early on, we made we made sort of a key choice. And that key choice was we were not going to tie Nebo to GMO asset management. It was going to be fully open architecture. And management also supported us fully in that. And that's that's been absolutely key to the development of Nebo. So I would say there was a lot of foresight on the part of GMO management in A, allowing us the freedom to sort of try to build a platform and B, not tie it to basically GMO's products. So an incredibly positive experience, because if you look at the industry as a whole, you know, tech adoption is still this perennial issue. So the fact, like you said, that they had the foresight to say, this makes sense, run with it, build it, and they will come. Uh, <laughs> that's that's actually pretty, pretty incredible, uh, especially in the kind of state of things in the, I would say, the 2010s when fintech and wealth tech was really taking off to have that initial foresight. Um, so I really do appreciate the the background and context. And with that, I, I want to dive into our first segment that I affectionately call Stats All Folks. And I want to talk about the number one with you, Martin, uh, one billion to be exact. I saw the recent news that Nebo passed one billion in platform assets. So congratulations, no easy feat, but it seemed 
to happen pretty quickly. So an incredible accomplishment in a short amount of time. To what do you really attribute Nebo's success? You know, I'd like to think it's all just about how wonderful we are. And <laughs> while I think we do, you know, we are doing some some very positive things. I think our process is good. We we very much adopt a process of engage, learn, and adapt. So when we started building Nebo in 2019, we knew that we had to build a platform, but we really had no idea how to do it. What we did, though, is we built an early prototype, and we started going out to advisors and explaining the concept, showing them the prototype, asking them the question, what would we need to add on to this so you would start using it for your core portfolio construction activities? And within about two years, we then, in about sort of mid to late 2021, we had advisor using Nebo to do all of their portfolio construction. And we've just continued that process of engage, learn, and adapt. So I think we have a good process. It's a very simple process. But I think there's something much more fundamental going on here, that the market is ripe for new ideas and new ideas about risk. And, you know, we talk a lot about this gap between the plan and the portfolio and how Nebo is filling that gap between the plan and and between the plan and the portfolio. There's both a conceptual gap and an operational gap. But I think people, advisors recognize this gap. They either know it consciously, but perhaps many of them just sense it subconsciously. So when we start talking to them, it's very easy conversations. There, there's there's a latent demand for this. And so so it kind of makes our job easy in a way because we're speaking to people and often we we hear, I've been waiting for something like this for my entire career. Wow. Well, that's a huge compliment. And I, and I want to dive into that concept and spin some stats that you've put out back on you um, because you pulled more than 400 advisors and asked, do you observe a gap between financial planning and asset management and a resounding 89% said yes, ultimately meaning that advisors are lacking in confidence that their clients are in the right portfolios. So let's dive into how Nebo kind of sits between and bridges that gap between financial planning and asset management and how Nebo is ultimately redefining risk. Yeah. So the, the, so the key is that, um, you know, recognition that there's a problem. I mean, I recall, I think this was probably back in 2021, where at our fall conference, this is sort of at the height of COVID, but we had a conference, we had a virtual conference, and we sent out a, you know, a summary of what we were going to talk about. And we were sort of testing this idea about there being a gap between the plan and the portfolio. And we got maybe half a dozen or a dozen emails back saying, we see the gap between the plan and the portfolio. And this was very early on. So we, we again, we were getting signals back from the market that were telling us that this is a real problem. So the problem is there is a gap between the plan and the portfolio. Now, it turns out that we've researched that problem over the last couple of years, and people have known that this has been a problem for decades. Charlie Ellis talks about in his investment policy book in chapter four about the paradox that's haunting investment management. And it's exactly this problem of the gap between the plan and the portfolio that the objectives are not well-defined and there's this tension between the long-term and the short-term. It's a huge problem. 
And it's been around for decades and people know it's been around for decades. So why is the problem still there? The problem is still there because fundamentally the paradigm, modern portfolio theory, and this is the paradigm that sort of drives all of portfolio construction. It's based on the idea that volatility and risk are the same thing. If you break that idea and you start thinking about risk is for the asset owner, they don't have the money they need when they need it. Once you can operationalize that and build portfolios that seek to minimize risk, that's the key to connecting the plan and the portfolio. So how has Nebo then alleviated some of the complications that come with the portfolio optimization process? When I when I look at sort of standard modern portfolio theory and mean variance optimization, I, I can sort of identify maybe three primary shortcomings that it has. First, it's you know, it's generally considered to be a black box. You have your capital market assumptions, you have your correlations and volatilities, and you have your risk aversion parameter, and you put that in and you turn the crank and out comes a portfolio. And then there's not a there's not a great deal of intuition behind that. It's also single period. And the world is not single period. We live over multiple years and decades. The real world is a multi-period world. There's also sensitivity toward, towards the inputs. I'll start with the black box. So Nebo is not a black box. Yes, Nebo does multi-period optimization, but that is part of a much broader tapestry that Nebo is sort of presenting to the advisor. So Nebo is a platform for asset management, and it's designed to help advisors understand what they have to believe to own a portfolio for a client. What do they have to believe about the client? And that ties to how Nebo integrates with financial planning tools. We're not reinventing financial planning. We're integrating it, integrating into it. And what does the advisor have to understand about, about the markets? What do they have to believe about the markets in order to own this portfolio for this client? So at its core, the optimization is really just a vehicle to help the advisor learn and understand. Now, on the second point, Nebo is inherently multi-period optimization. So that is much more in tune with the real world. Third, it turns out that Nebo is much less sensitive to the inputs than sort of an equivalent single period problem. And also that sensitivity actually depends on the investment horizon. So we think that this, the way that we frame the problem is much closer to the way the real world works than sort of the, the um, standard mean variance optimization. I also wanna make uh, a comment about this because there's sort of an interesting story that I can tell about one of the differences between how mean variance would frame the world and how Nebo would frame the world. And that is, it's not always true in a shortfall-based optimization framework that volatility is a bad thing. So let me give you a real-world example where that may not be the case. So it's the case of Fred Smith. So Fred Smith's the founder of FedEx. In the early days of FedEx, he found himself with a problem. He didn't have enough money to make payroll. What it what was what was sort of the you know, from a Nebo perspective, how would Nebo frame that problem? Well, what did he need and when did he need it? He needed a lot more than he had and he needed it right away. So what did he do? He went to Vegas, he played the blackjack tables and he won enough money 
to make payroll. And that's why FedEx is actually delivering our packages and not somebody else. Wow. I need to do that as my retirement strategy, apparently. <laughs> so what does that have to do with shortfall optimization? It turns out if you frame the problem as let's minimize the risk that you don't have what you needed. If you have a very short horizon and you have a very high target that you need to achieve, it turns out that volatility becomes a good thing, not a bad thing. So you want to seek out the most volatile assets available, if you will. And sort of blackjack would sort of satisfies that. In the mean variance framework, what you would have to say is that Fred Smith, who would normally be risk averse, all of a sudden became risk seeking and then somehow became risk averse again. And that just doesn't seem as plausible as framing the problem is what do you need and when do you need it? So then how are advisors specifically using Nebo? What has the reception been? Are you see, seeing them having better conversations around risk and volatility with their clients? You know, what what is the feedback been? Yeah, so so Nebo is 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 helping advisors connect the plan to to what they're doing on the asset management side, connect the plan to the portfolio. It is absolutely changing the nature of the conversations that they have with the clients. And the way I think about it, it's sort of a two-pronged approach. So it's helping them conceptually. It's helping them frame things. We, we have a very sort of strong layering process within Nebo that helps you understand at every level in the process, why am I making the decision that I'm making? So it's helping advisors understand we think about it as enhancing the human intelligence of the advisor. It's a learning tool. It's also a deciding tool because as they learn, that lowers the emotional content of the decisions that they're making and, may, and enables them to be a better decision maker. So it's a learning tool. It's a deciding tool. But it's also an educational tool because as they learn and as they gain confidence, they then transfer that to their clients. And that confidence transfers over to their clients and the education. And the client and the advisor are now much less focused on the macro economy or what NVIDIA is doing and much more focused on what does the client need and when do they need it and how do we optimize the chances of actually achieving that. So it's a learning tool. It's a deciding tool. It's an education tool, but it's also becoming an execution tool as well. So we see our mandate is not just to help advisors create better portfolios for their clients, but help advisors also create a better business. I might upset a lot of technology folks when I say this, but thank you for explaining it like that, breaking it down into a learning tool, education tool, execution tool. I don't think I've ever heard anyone articulate a, their technology platform like that. And that makes so much sense about, especially how advisors should be approaching technology. What can it do for you? And the fact that Nebo checks all those boxes is pretty incredible. So I just wanted to, to call that out um, because I think that that's a really important factor when, when utilizing tools like this. So in a similar vein, though, I do want to talk and you know when it comes to risk i want to talk about uh sequence of return risk and retirement how are you seeing the landscape change and what's nebo ultimately doing to prepare advisors and their clients yeah so that's a that's a really important question because it's it's one of the risks that probably comes up the most in our conversations 
And I think there's a couple of answers to that. The first is the way that the way that we operationalize the definition of risk sort of naturally handles that because if you're 45 and you don't think you're going to retire until age 65 and then you're going to live, let's say, until age 95. So you don't really care about shortfall until you retire. So you care about shortfall from age 65 until age 95. But we know that you're 45. So that 20 years where you don't care about shortfall, that influences the portfolios that you own today. But as you approach retirement, the optimizer knows that that time when you're going to start caring about shortfall is approaching and it starts making adjustments for that. There's also other tools that you can incorporate. So we allow you to have a different target return prior to retirement than you do post-retirement. So if you if you have, if you as an advisor or and or your client are perhaps more concerned about sequence of returns risk, you can be more aggressive in lowering that target return post-retirement. That will accelerate sort of the reduction in the volatile assets as you approach retirement. And so within Nebo, you can also explore the choices about how would this kind of reduction, how when I run my Monte Carlo simulations and our Monte Carlo simulations are not the same as the out of the box ones. But as you run those, you can understand the implications that these choices are making. It's an example of it really being a learning tool. So then I have to ask, what's on the roadmap for Nebo? Two words really is the easy button. <laughs> we are working hard to make Nebo easier to use, make it more of a turnkey platform, but it's always going to be open architecture. It's always going to be customizable. So we designed customization at both the advisory firm level and the client level into the DNA of Nebo. But really what we're doing is we are now in the process of creating more prepackaged options curated investments, and also adding uh, uh, trading capabilities into Nebo. So it's really, really looking at making it an end-to-end -end solution. So it integrates with what advisors are currently doing in their financial planning process. Remember, we're not trying to reinvent planning. We integrate with eMoney, Money Guide Pro, Right Capital. We even have a client who has their own financial planning system. And we've integrated with that as well. We're also not trying to reinvent rebalancing and trading, et cetera. So we're integrating on that side as well. But it's really making the process easier to use, simpler, and creating an end-to-end an, an -end streamlined workflow. Well, sounds good. We'll have to do a follow-up episode <laughs> <laughs> once you create that easy button. But uh, it is time for segment two of this episode, Martin, which is Ask Us Anything, where I've gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions they want answered by you. And we had a few folks slide into the DMs this week. So the first question we received was, what do you believe is the next frontier in customized portfolio construction? So- it has to be multi-period, as I mentioned before. So portfolio construction cannot be single-period. The world, the real world is not single-period. Now, you ask yourself, well, it's very intuitive that that should be the case. So why don't we see more of that? And I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about that. I think part of the reason we haven't seen more of that is because the way most people are taught to do multi-period optimization 
doesn't lend itself to solving the kinds of real world problems that you're confronted with in asset management. And so the optimization techniques that we use in Nebo are not the standard tech textbook techniques that you would learn in your sort of finance or economics class. And I did actually write a paper explaining how we do it. So if anybody's interested, they can go to SSRN or they can look up my name or they can send me an email. I'd be happy to send them a copy of the paper. But I think that's really important because we need to be solving problems that are tied to the real world experiences of people. The other thing I would say is that if we're thinking about risk as volatility, I think that's a problem. So other definitions of risk. Now, we happen to think that not having what you needed is a really sensible definition of risk. There are systems out there and there have been approaches which sort of take a probability of shortfall as a measure of risk. We think that's problematic because it's sort of saying, you know, if I had a target of a million dollars and I missed by a dollar, that's the same thing as missing by $500,000. And they're clearly not the same thing. So you do want to build in magnitude of shortfall as well. And that's what Nebo does. It accounts for both the probability of shortfall and the magnitude of shortfall. Great. And we did have one more question. <clears throat> what would you say is the number one benefit of using Nebo? Or is there something you wish people knew more about when it comes to the platform? We have a wide variety of use cases in Nebo. And across all of those use cases, the, the most common feedback that we get from advisors is increased confidence in their process. And we believe that that increased confidence is really coming from a deeper understanding that the advisors have of the problems that they're solving for their clients. And so everything sort of stems from this learning, deciding, education, execution side of it. But it really starts with learning and understanding, because if you don't have that, then you don't really get the benefits of the rest of it. Well, I appreciate those answers. And I lied. I said there was one, only one more question, but actually <laughs> I have one because I want to circle back to something you said earlier and <laughs> not to throw you off, but I need to go back to these golf patents just because I'm so curious. You know, I have the utmost respect for folks who have the entrepreneurial mindset and are not afraid to just dive into things, get them done, come up with new ideas. So I need to know what those were. <laughs> okay. So the product that, that we built and we actually built it and it wasn't testing and we got quite far. So at that time, we were talking to the PGA of America, which is the Association of Teaching Professionals, about 20, 25,000. And they were ready to endorse our product. It would have been the first time they'd ever endorsed a game improvement product. So what was the product, you ask? The product was a new way of analyzing your game. And the concept was very simple is we were able to track or you would input where you hit every shot over the course of a round. And avid golfers, believe it or not, can remember where they hit every shot. And they can remember, you know, rounds from years ago, exactly where every ball went. Once we have that information, we could ask questions like, if you improve your ability to get the ball onto the green for shots between 100 and 150 yards, how many shots would you save? If you could improve getting the ball from the tee onto the fairway, 
how many shots would you save, et cetera. So it was really what it would produce on one page is a comprehensive diagnostic of where you needed to focus your attention. And if you improved by very specific amounts in very specific categories, how many shots you would save per round. And wow. so it was actually some of the patents are still active, but I've been sort of so busy working on this that, you know, maybe one day I'll, I'll sort of return to that and commercialize that. <laughs> well, thank you for indulging me. I feel like I need an optimizer for life. My husband would appreciate it if you could build something to actually keep me to be on time and not have to sprint to your gate at the airport and things like that. So <laughs> I need like a life optimiz optimizer at this point, but um, that's really, really interesting. So again, thank you for, for diving into sure. that. And I do appreciate you being put on the spot and your insightful answers for that segment, but we have come to our final part of the podcast, which is my favorite that I call stack it or whack it. So Martin, I'm going to throw out a few technologies. Be warned. They aren't always necessarily wealth tech related. You tell me if they are essentially worth the hype or not. So the first one I want to run by you kind of in their current state, Monte Carlo simulations, stack it, whack it, a little bit of both. So Monte Carlo simulations, I would say in their current incarnation, have a lot of flaws. So in that sense, it's a whack it, but it's not an entirely get rid of it. The problem with the current Monte Carlo simulations, the way that they're run, is what you assume about how returns are actually generated. And the basically, the current Monte Carlo simulations assume that asset prices follow a random walk. That doesn't mean that there's not randomness. So the way the way Nebo works is we allow you to incorporate mean reversion. If you incorporate mean reversion where there's still randomness in the returns, but valuations, if valuation rise for stocks, you know, they tend to fall. How do you model returns, for example, on bonds becomes another problem. If you don't use the right return creation processes or generating processes, you end up with return modeling that's inconsistent with what we see in the markets. So for example, if you use standard out-of-the-box Monte Carlo simulations and you look at the volatility profile of stocks and bonds, what you'll find is, is as your investment horizon increases, you will overestimate the volatility of stocks and underestimate the volatility of bonds. That will lead to bond-heavy portfolios if you're using that for portfolio construction or if you're just doing a simulation to look at outcomes, you'll you'll get distorted outcomes. You'll tend not to like stocks enough. In our process, we account for those things. We account for the mean reversion. And that, that has a big impact on the outcome. So I say, if you're using our Monte Carlos, stack it. If you're using somebody else's, whack it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It has an asterisk to it. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Second and final technology or concept, risk scores, stack it or whack it. So again, this is probably going to be a bit nuanced, but I'd say the headline is whack it in the sense that risk scores are too big a driver of people's asset allocation and too big a driver of the portfolios that they own. And let me let me elaborate on that, because this this this, I think, gets really fundamentally to the heart of what Nebo's doing. So if you look at the CFA curriculum and you look at what they write about investment policy statements, they talk about liquidity, obviously very important. 
They talk about the required return that the asset owner needs, and they talk about the risk aversion. But then when you go and you look at how portfolios are actually being constructed, you don't see anything about the required return. The required return is never making it out of the investment policy statement. It is completely non-operational. In NEBO, the required return is a key component of what we call the client profile. The client profile is what, what return does the asset owner need, and that is a key input into the entire optimization process. But it never makes it out of the out out of the investment policy statement in the current framework. And so th this is, in our view, you know, it's a really fundamental issue and is a defining characteristic. So in Nebo, the client profile is a two dimensional profile. It's like you're looking at the client head on and you're seeing. Like you're looking into their eyes, but the current process, it's a one-dimensional process. It's just a risk profile. It's as though the advisor is talking to the side of the client's face. They're seeing a one-dimensional view of the client, not a two-dimensional view. Yeah, I agree, especially because a lot of times it seems like you're just checking a compliance box at the end of the day, just making sure you have the risk score. So to re rejigger it, retool it, redefine it, you know, the way you're doing it at Nebo is, is really incredible. So excited to see what's coming next. So Martin, it has been just an absolute pleasure getting to know you, learning more about Nebo, and please feel free to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, where they can find you, um, and keep up on all the happenings at Nebo. So we have a website. If you go into any browser and just type in Nebo-GMO.com, you can find us there or you can just type Nebo into a search engine and I'm sure you'll find us near the top. We do <laughs> spend time on our SEO, so. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I will admit that you were the first to come up with that. So <laughs> when, I, when I was doing my research. So fantastic, Martin. Again, thank you so much. And be sure to like and subscribe to the WealthStack podcast on all major podcasting platforms and follow all things WealthStack on wealthmanagement.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you all for tuning in today. Today's episode is sponsored by Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network, Finet, member SIPC. Finet is focused on helping independent advisors support their clients and reach their goals with unique, ever-evolving solutions and resources from one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Learn how you can get more with Finet at wfa.com independent. That's wfa.com independent.